Fighting Monster Right. Show about fighting monsters, right? Right. I am Adam. And I'd like to start this episode with a prayer. Okay. Right. Uh, is this... <laughs> uh, who, who are we praying to? Oh, mighty Shai Halud. Oh, mighty Shai Halud. Keeper of balance. Keeper of balance. Bless the maker and his water. Uh, how long is this prayer? Bless the coming and going of him. May okay, yeah. his passage cleanse the world because today we're talking sandworms amen because today we're talking sandworms <laughs> you gotta say amen or else your prayer will continue forever words without amens never to heaven go oh wait you also need to do the the sign of the worm cross <laughs> just, just like <laughs> it's like it's like, like wiggling my arm <laughs> right you just start at your forehead and keep going down <laughs> you don't stop. No. Yeah. And you uh, don't do the shoulders so, because of it. Yeah. You will never stop. We tried to warm you how to beat giant worms. How to beat giant worms. So. Which I, I realize that as we have named this, uh, that's almost, I think that's the premise of every, of every like giant worm based media. Oh. It's about beating and defeating them, isn't it? No. No? I I would I would absolutely say that the granddaddy of them all has a different take on giant worms. Okay, I guess I'm more thinking graboids and the Alaskan bullworm. Mm. So, uh, you've done a lot of dune research. I've done a lot of dune digging. I feel like uh, I feel like an ecologist sent from the Imperium to investigate the ecology of Arrakis. And I own dune, so I think we're evenly (laughs) evenly matched in this. In this endeavor. Alright, well, we've never gotten started on our actual fucking topic this early in the episode, but I think... (laughs) Do you want to just get into it? Please. Alright, are we sure we don't want to talk about, like, uh, our D&D game for 15 minutes? Uh, I actually fought uh, two purple worms in a recent D&D game of mine. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's my local game, not the, uh, the one that we are a part of. Okay, well... Maybe we'll get to that, actually. <laughs> okay, fine. Let, let's get into the Dune, the, the media franchise. All right. Soon to be a film in, in the end of this year. Soon to be a film again. So. Oh, yes. Uh, it was a film previously. Uh, the Was it 1980s Dune? Uh, yes. There's a version coming out in 2021. There was a, a sci-fi miniseries that happened in the year 2000. And then David Lynch directed a very confusing adaptation in 1984 but the original story uh, began in 1965 with the author frank herbert well real quick just want to say uh i i watched the 1984 dune in high school and uh i i fell asleep during it and then i returned my five dollar dvd for 250 and have tried to push the whole fair past me well it, it was it was my least favorite film for a, a period of time what you failed to recognize is that the spice must flow. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that, that's the kind of uh, media push that got me. That's the propaganda that got me like, ooh, a fantasy world. And then it's a bunch of like, it starts off with like fat aliens, like throwing up and, and spitting everywhere. There are and no aliens in Dune. <laughs> I know, right? There's something wrong. Okay, the Dune saga takes place 
in a pangalactic empire. In fair pangalactic empire where we set our scene. That's a galactic that's a galactic empire that just like gets it on with anyone, right? Oh yeah. No, this is my yeah. kind of galactic empire. Uh, <laughs> between the 27th and 32nd millennia CE, or between uh, 24 and 29,000 years from now. Oh, so it's a lot can happen in in, in like what's 5,000 years? A lot can happen in 5,000 years and a lot can happen in oh, between. Oh yeah. I mean, there is a good, like, 3,500-year chunk that's just about uh, the god emperor, but we will that yeah, will come okay. up shortly. So, a-, a long time from now in a galaxy far, far away. A-, a long... yes. Yes, okay. Sandworms are giant worms native to the planet Arrakis. They are 450-meter-long territorial creatures who burrow through the sand that covers Arrakis, also called Dune. Mm, yes, the, the titular location. Yes. So they are inspired primarily by the trope of a treasure hoarding dragon, which I like because it's an explicit denial of my least favorite trope of like, oh, this elephant skull. That's how they came up with the Cyclops. Oh, uh, these dragon, bo- these bones, they came up with dragons because they thought the dinosaur was a dragon. Oh, Frank Herbert saw a snake with no eyes or something. And boom, the sandworm was born. No, he was like, Dragon's guard treasure. I'm gonna make like a big space dragon, and that's what he did. Yeah, he 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 heard our Beowulf episode, and he was like, "I gotta get it on this." Yeah. For the record, that's about five football fields for you American football <laughs> players. <laughs> How many dinner plates is it? Oh man, I, I I'll I'll tell you the dinner plates and the axe handles uh, after the show. Okay, good. <laughs> so the most important thing to know about sandworms, uh, the Cliff Notes, is. As a part of their life cycle, they produce a substance called melange, or simply spice. Yes. So the effects of melange include lifespan extension, prescience, uh, it turns your eyes blue, uh, which is called the eyes of Ibad, and it gives you a lifelong addiction, and if you ever go off, withdrawal is fatal. Whoa, you gotta, you gotta start with that. <laughs> you can't have that as the, as like the, what the, the, that, the part that plays through the rest of the commercial when you're like the old guy's playing with his family. Side effects may include. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, okay, so you, once you start spicing it up, you, you keep going forever. Once you go spice, you never go spice. The prescience granted by spice is necessary for navigation through interstellar space. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it occurs to me that. Uh, these answers were probably best answered by someone that's read Dune. <laughs> but I immediately thought of, all right, who's the first guy to try this stuff out? <laughs> uh, <you laughs> who's know, the first one to, uh, you know, to take a lick from that? I didn't I didn't look up who was the first person to drink from, like, the cow tits that was the sandworm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, I bet if I eat this stuff, it'll be really good. <laughs> well, it also canonically smells like cinnamon. So maybe someone was like, I wonder if you can eat this as, like, if it's cinnamon or something. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's good for all the same applications as cinnamon. Yeah. and if, Or if you use, like, an, a cooking ingredient, then everyone will get some of the effects. That is kind of true. Okay. Where if well, it, uh, tell me more of what you do know. So, prolonged exposure to spice mutates spacing guild navigators. So, like, the people that need to be... They're just pretty much, like, blanketed in spice 24-7 while they're out guild navigating. That doesn't sound nice. Uh, No, it turns them into atrophied and deformed creatures barely recognizable as human. Like, they turn into fish and just 
weird like warped things go on and it's bad that's probably what i saw that threw up in the movie oh okay that makes sense yeah it was probably some kind of a full withdrawal is what i witnessed on screen Mm. now i know what you're thinking why don't they just use artificial intelligence for this instead of like turning somebody into a fish uh yeah that you know get the get the precog stuff until you're like you know until you're smart enough to make an actual uh robot well there was a robot uprising and so all computers are banned what about like analog systems no no abacuses the abacus might fuck us over oh (laughs) Oh, man that's, that's terrible thank god we got rid of all the robots so that no revolts can ever happen in Dune again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, you were really solved that pickle. Woo, done and done. <laughs> Let's go home early, boys. Yeah, we future-proofed that. So in terms of its uses and effects on society, Spice is essentially a combination of cocaine, the Philosopher's Stone, and petroleum. The conflict over this resource is the driving force behind the plot of the Dune saga. Well, it, it, that, sounds, uh, that sounds good. I, I Actually, I kind of really like this elevator pitch. I might crack open Dune at some point. Ooh, maybe we should have done this episode before this episode. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, <laughs> my reading speed is currently impaired, and reading Dune is probably going to be, it would be like a, a, a six-year endeavor. Reading books sucks. Anyway, at some point in history, Arrakis was a lush, wet world, and the introduction of the sand trout co-opted the entire ecosystem, desertifying the planet and creating the necessary conditions for the sand trout to merge together into their next stage of metamorphosis, the sandworm proper. Uh, is there a, a a fun little nickname for the sand trout? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. The uh, The native people of Dune, the Fremen, call them little makers. Aw, little makers. Little makers. Make and spice. Yeah, and... I think uh, it's a an interesting message there in that kind of long history of like, oh, yeah, they this was an act of invasive species. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it was. And that's uh, not discovered until later in the saga. But that's not an important well, observation, whatever. Yeah, the, the thing that's uh, that I'd like tuning into about this uh, history is that it is history. You don't this isn't. A prequel film where you start off with the sand trout and, uh, you know, uh, Liam Neeson narrates the going ons and offs of what's happening. You start in medias res. Yeah, it's not like a thing where you need to, like, set up the sand trout. No, the sandworms are only going to be in Dune 2. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, it's a nice thing to have in a world that's like two hundred twenty thousand years older than ours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because because you can have a lot of history, like the robot revolutions and stuff. Right. So, sandworms eat sand, as well as sand plankton, which is their own life stage before the trout. So it goes sand plankton, sand trout, sandworm, and it gets more complicated from there. Well, <laughs> that interests me in a, in a sense of the biggest of sandworms, those five football field long guys, have been through a lot. They really have. <laughs> like, they, they probably watched all their family die. They probably ate most of their family. It was really sad. Yeah, yeah. So, they are clearly big enough to eat humans. Yes. But the level of water contained in a human is enough to kill a whole worm. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, like a, it's like a really big bee, basically. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's they they're like allergic to humans. Yeah, I mean they 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 recognize a you know a competing 
<laughs> Invasive species, yeah. So, I'd be allergic to humans, too. Gang, hey, listen. If Start with my ex-wife. <laughs> gang, listen. If you're in the deserts of Arrakis, don't get eaten by a sandworm. Because you'll hurt the sandworm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, be responsible out there. It's a jungle out there. And by a jungle, I mean it used to be a jungle. And then it's a desert because of all the sandworms. Isn't that but sad? But don't hurt them. The, because they didn't mean it. The more you know. All right. So uh, the Fremen name for these creatures is the, the Shai Halud. Okay. Which means something like grandfather of the desert or old father eternity. Yes, it is I, Desert Grandpa. Old Father Eternity, here to choke on a boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another thing I was telling you earlier. Where, like, over my research, I kept imagining uh, Paul Atreides, the protagonist of the first Dune novel, as Timothy Chalamet, because he's playing him in this upcoming movie. And so I just kept picturing the sandworm coming up like, The boy! What? I'm longer than the boy! <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I apologize because I'm struggling with the, the concept of <laughs> dying on one person <laughs> just because like all the things that we're scared of in our usual monsters and like and serial killers and stuff like that is because they it takes more than one person to stop them. Well, OK, it doesn't take a person to stop them like they'll I mean, they'll die, but they've eaten a person. Yeah, yeah I, I guess the, the ratio is more like. A, a, a serial killer I would expect to have killed more than one person. Honestly, if Dune were more of a, like, traditionalist, kind of traditionalist. It's 1965. Yeah, right. If Dune were a simpler kind of sci-fi universe where, like, the worms, they are big monsters. Look out, Paul Atreides. You've got to fight the big monsters before you can have sex with female character. If that then, was her name back in 65. Right. It was very progressive for the time. It was, yeah. <laughs> but then I think the worms would be able to just eat more people. But in Dune, like, it's not about fighting a worm, and that's the conflict. Yes, right. It, it sounds like it's more of a power struggle about this damn spice. Exactly, yeah. So the Fremen uh, attract the Shai Halud by use of a thumper, which is a device that creates vibrations in the sand. Yeah, I know. Bambi's friend. Right. Yeah, exactly. They get a cartoon rabbit, and then eventually uh, the worm's arrival is uh, heralded by a thing called worm sign, which you can see from the air, just like see the worm approaching. And it also generates static electricity because it's moving through so much sand at such a speed mm. that when it comes in contact with the positively charged air, there's just like lightning all around it, which has produced some very cool fan art. Oh, uh, I'm sure that sounds that sounds really awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on the... It, I, it, I, never mind. Let's keep going. Are you stuck on the it can only eat one person? No, no I'm, now, now I'm stuck on Thumper. Because <laughs> so, something happened to me a couple years ago when I said to myself, I can't remember Bambi. I, I'm sure I've seen the movie many times, but like the first 20 minutes I got down pat. But then I'm like, there's no more movie than that. But there is. I've barely seen any Disney movies. There's like an hour of movie and it's gone. It's like it. I do not comprehend it. I don't ever call it. It seems like a long time. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, all right. Uh, they 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 use thumpers to uh to to create vibrations. Yep, and then that attracts the shy halud. And then, uh, if you're not reading ahead in my notes here, mm -hmm. 
what do you think they do with the worms? So, they need the spice that the worms produce? Is that uh, right? Uh, kind of. There's better ways to get it than, uh, than at the adult stage of the life cycle. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. I don't know why they're bothering with these worms. Okay, so- <laughs> I- <laughs> I, I maybe I need to maybe I need a little more context because in my mind I'm like all right do they milk the worms for 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 spice <laughs> do they go get to the the back end of the worm and then they just hold up a bucket and like ready for the spice that comes out I don't <laughs> get ready for the spice to flow do they grind up like the teeth from the worm that they like pull out like a dentist and like it's like an ivory thing it could be any of those they do actually use the uh, the teeth of the worm to make Chris knives but also. Uh, the Fremen use... Here, Adam, take this hook. Take this okay. big metal hook. Take, and take this other one. Alright, so when that when that worm comes up, what you're going to want to do... Hey, it's me, Jebediah Fremen. Is, what you're going to want to do is pry off a piece of the worm's armor plate. Alright, and that's going to make him all agitated. Right? So... What you're gonna wanna do is then the worm's gonna turn up so that it's got the so it's got the empty bit where its belly is out, uh, up in the space, up in the air, so that it doesn't get no sand in it. And then what you gotta do is you gotta stick the hooks into that space and just start steering the sucker, and you can ride that baby for miles. <laughs> you you ride the worm. It's sacred. It's a sacred art of the Fremen. Now it's Foghorn Lighthorn. Oh, that, that actually makes a lot of more sense to me, honestly. As soon as you say it's a like a sacred ritual, oh, okay, that's why they're bothering with these uh, <laughs> these worms. Well, why they're not just l- letting them be. Well, also the worms would attack any ships or ground vehicles. So this is but all he needs... not only traditional, but the most effective way to travel across Arrakis. Oh, okay. Hmm. Inter- uh, fast traveling also makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. <laughs> I don't see why the ships don't just like go to the brig and pull out a guy. <laughs> and, and throw that guy into the worm because then a guy would die the guy has a family no, Adam. I, I know ships there's people that they can look like i guess it seems like a a sacrifice culture would be made yeah is may- all i'm saying well okay but then what if you run into more than one worm there's they travel and hurt no they're pretty territorial but they <laughs> so I'm, I'm but like, what if you have to travel through more than one territory then you just gotta kill multiple I, guys, and then and then what? Like all the worms are dead eventually, and then what? There's no more spice, and the empire collapses. Yeah, well, we ran into this kind of uh, predator fatigue in our troll episode, mm. where it's like, look, they ruined this world. I don't care about them. <laughs> all right, so let's talk more about these sand trout. Okay. So the uh, the sand trout cluster around sources of water and. Like, there's just millions of them that just soak up an entire, like, underground lake. And I, and it doesn't kill them. No, it doesn't kill the sand trout. Okay, the sand trout like the water. Sand trout like the water. Sand- I'm more scared of the sand trout than I am the sandworms right now. Oh, you should be. Okay. So, the, not ironic, you should be. So, the sand trout uh, absorb uh, the water and then... Their waste products combine with the water and uh, build this uh, pre-spice mass that eventually erupts into the surface uh, as a spice blow. And when that substance reacts with air and sunlight, bingo! Dino DNA. I mean, spice. That's how you get the spice. That's where the spice is. 
Uh, but you said they're more dangerous. What's where's where does the danger lie? Uh, well, first off, after that spice blow, the sand trout. Uh, that's when one of them starts metamorphizing into a sandworm. Ah. And if a sandworm loses an immature segment, that segment turns back into a sand trout. So the shy halut are kind of a colonial organism, but they can also mate and lay eggs. So they can reproduce sexually or asexually. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's 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 2021. It's a it's a pan galactic empire. Yeah. <laughs> No judging here. Uh, so one thing that some of the Fremen uh, children like to do is they'll take a sand trout and they'll just like wear it like a glove because it like forms like a symbiotic relationship with whatever it attaches to, whether that's another sand trout or like a person. Mm. That's that's fun. Yeah. And real quick, the reason why water is bad for the sand worm is because it just overexcites their metabolism. Like, that's enough water that that will just basically set them to burst. Yeah, I got it. And so, Leto Atreides, the son of Paul. Leto Atreides the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yo, Leto! <laughs> so, Paul Atreides, with the prescience granted to him by the Spice, uh, foresaw the Golden Path, which was the one way that humanity was able to survive, because otherwise it would... Uh, succumb to stagnation and apparently uh, eventually dominion and destruction and extinction by uh, a supposed great enemy okay so oh, yeah, he uh he really dr stranged it saw, saw the one way out yeah he saw the one way out and didn't want to take it but his son mm. did mm. so leto atreides he attached several sand trout all over his body. He went out into the desert and just ate a bunch of spice to attract as many sand trouts as possible. And okay. they just started, like, you put one on your hand, and then, like, oh, cool, it's a glove. You put, like, more all over you. And then, like, oh, it's a sleeve. And then suddenly you're just, like, venomed up with sand trout. Mm, this seems like some kind of a tattoo analogy. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, you know, tough words about uh, anti-smoking and stuff like that. Well, I mean, that made him super strong mm -hmm. and super fast and super smart and invulnerable to all conventional weapons. Never mind. <laughs> this, is the, this is the good shit. This is the good shit. And so he was able to just... <laughs> Wait, hang on. You said conventional weapons, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if someone like, like attacked him with like a, a bear trap on a stick, <laughs> like, like, like they do a pretty good way. Right? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like a, a, whip, a whip made out of snakes. No, fear is the mind killer. So if you if you come up with something that no one in their right mind would come up with, then you come up with something that uh, is fearful. I think that math checks out. So uh, this also kind of allowed him to absorb more spice than would be considered even remotely safe. And so he started really seeing stuff into like you know, seeing into the past, uh, he is the one who learned about how sandworms were introduced to Arrakis from some other nondescript place. And over the course of 3,500 years, he gradually turned into a sandworm. Oh, no. So by like 3,500 years into his reign, he's like got two very tiny atrophied legs and like some little T-Rex arms and a head that's just inside like a 20 foot long worm yeah that's uh that's it's very scary uh unfortunately it's the ideal male body ladies <laughs> you may not like it but this is what perfection looks like <laughs> and he also uh 
terraformed Arrakis to the point where all of the other sandworms died. So Oh, so it's just him? So it's just him, and now he controls the spice. Mm. And so he controls the universe. And what he does I is see. he puts all of humanity on a path of stagnation. He like they all live in identical houses. Culture across the entire thing is the same. You can only travel between planets uh, if the god emperor permits it. And in doing so, he becomes the god emperor, or as I like to think of it, the Jesus of suburbia. Yeah, I, I see. So in oppressing all of humanity so thoroughly, what he did was he engineered a uh, person who couldn't be seen through prescience. And uh, she wound up basically throwing him into a river, which uh, killed him. Yeah, that'll do it. Which was his plan. Oh, uh, never mind. His plan was to die so that uh, so that humanity would scatter across the cosmos and be forever out of the reach of any single tyrant ever again. I, I gotta ask, when does Dune start? <laughs> if I were to crack over the book Dune, like, what, what page... <laughs> Is this on, or did this all happen before the book starts? Uh, I think this is this is several books in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> got it. Okay, Dune is Dune started a while ago. We're focusing mainly on the sandworms here, and the most important sandworm is the God Emperor of mankind. I understood. Right. Yeah. So, well, Harry, where were we at then? Well. The title of our episode is How to Beat Giant Worms. It's just occurred to me now that Dune is the story of how to beat giant worms. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Okay. So Okay, you were right. I, <laughs> I, I don't miss. That's just, <laughs> Dune is just tremors <laughs> with extra steps. Yeah, it's tremors across, uh, like, you know, five or six book stops. Yeah. Uh, no, so I'm sorry. Five or six door stops. All right. So that leaves us with our title, How to Beat Giant Worms. How do you kill a sandworm from Dune? Uh, you just get a dude. You get a dude you don't <laughs> like. You tie him up. Then when you see one, you just throw him at it. I mean, yeah, that's one way. You could also use a nuke. Oh, nukes work? Everybody in Dune decided to keep all of their, uh, all of their nukes, which they call atomics, stockpiled in case aliens show up, which they never do. But good thinking. Yeah, you always want to have a backup plan. Always got to have an alien plan. You know, as soon as they nuke the the sandworms, aliens show up. They know it. Oh, yeah. So. So high voltage electrical shocks applied separately to each ring segment because each ring segment could break off and form a bunch of sand trout. Hmm. What do you mean by high voltage? I'm talking high voltage. Zap. Yeah, okay. So like, like higher voltage than the static electricity that they generate. I guess so, yeah. Got it. That would suck if you couldn't move without exploding yourself. Yeah, well, uh, that might, like, work to their advantage. Like, if you make a, uh, I don't know why, okay, I, you make, like, a chain of toasters. Okay. Like a big old toaster rope, and you just roll, throw it over the, their segment. They can't move, and if they do, they'll they'll blow it up. And then you throw it into the Idaho River. Not the Idaho River in real life, named after the state of Idaho, but... The, uh, the river named after the Idaho family. That, that's in Dune? That's in Dune, yes. Uh, Duncan Idaho is a major character across, uh, across several books. Oh, so I... <laughs> at least, at least one. I have not read the books. I've done all of this research on the wikis. Yeah, so I, uh, 
another giant worm. Yeah. We don't have to say goodbye to the, the dude sandworms fully, but the, the graboids from Tremors. Yes. I would like to draw attention to because I didn't think these were crazy similar, but there is a lot more uh, in common with them than I originally thought. Really? Because I had the opposite reaction in my research. Yeah, the, the graboids are real, uh, as they're called. They move in a way that might also be the same movement as a dolly cam. Hmm. They're placed on the ground. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they're uh, not nearly as the size of the uh, of, of the dune sandworms. Probably about like thirty feet or so. Mm. Yeah, and and uh, they the reason why they cause trouble is because it's a little like fly speck town in the middle of nowhere, desert country, and people avoid them by like getting on like big rocks <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. So. Honestly, if you're off the if you're off the ground, these things if you're over thirty feet off the ground, these things aren't getting to you. Yeah, they also have a much simpler ecological role. They're kind of the sharks of the desert, and they don't even produce a single spice. SMH. Yeah, they just kind of uh, basically they're land sharks, for better or worse. Well, the official uh, sources that I were able to find said that they were a highly derived terrestrial cephalopod. There's always some science asshole in the movies <laughs> that that'll that'll use that phrase, and then then there's a, a, a the protagonist that has a gun and a real like kind of Jack Burton vibe, <laughs> just like well, it's a big worm and we're gonna kill it. English doc. Yeah, no, that that's uh, a pe- that's basically the the premise of the first film, and I'm pretty sure they all follow the same formula of big worm, big guns. Is <laughs> how you take take them out. Yeah. So, the uh, Dune saga is a galaxy-spanning sci-fi political epic, and Tremors is a monster movie. Yet they both have the central element of giant sandworms, and so I think they're a neat case study in how differences in genre beget differences in monster design. Yes. Uh, well, as I will say, the the Tremor Graboids, uh, they can chew through all kinds of people, no problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... They have that kind of slasher uh, monster movie uh, uh, vibe that I mentioned earlier mm. uh, that that makes monsters scary in horror films. Yeah. Uh, they can just keep going and going and going through multiple enemies. They're also presumably members of the subclass Graboidia. Yes. I mean, that's just how words work. Yeah. Look, uh, I- Oid and Id mean something in taxonomy, damn it. And I will die on that hill against the entirety of sci-fi and s- fantasy media. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, but besides the water weakness, they, I think a lot of the, they have a lot of the same ones mm. when it comes to uh, they, they're, you know, uh, uh, having weapons to, to take them out. Can you nuke the Graboid? Would that kill it? Yes. Okay, good. So far, that's working. <laughs> yeah, I'm nearly confident that that works in the sequels, but I have not seen the sequels. Uh, what other worms do you know in media? All right, so... Uh, for the next monster, I have turned to page 255 of the Monster Manual. Uh, for big ol' purple boys? Purple worm, purple worm, purple worms. Uh, purple worms, stump say dry and others feel the pain, purple worms. I like how that was a parody of me. <laughs> because <laughs> we went from purple rain to purple worms, back to rain. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, those are the dots I connected. Alright, so, uh, Adam, you fought a pair of purple worms recently, apparently. What did you learn? Uh, you don't want to get inside them, but it's real hard. 
So not. Come on, Adam. It's 2021. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the Squatch Lorette yet. Uh, purple. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God is uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, purple worms do very poorly in uh, reverse gravity. A uh, field where they <laughs> will hit a bunch of stalactites on the ceiling. Uh, th- they they have a poison inside their body. They're they're venomous, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And that, that venom is very valuable and can deal a lot of damage. How valuable is it? So valuable, I don't know, like if you ten thousand GP. If you if you eat it, do your eyes turn blue? Oh, I see what you're saying. I uh, I know that they don't have the exact same connection. Okay, well that's not as so. Purple worms live in the underdark, which is a very cool part of any D and D world. That's basically like a bunch of connected worm tunnels full of like dark elves and fungus monsters and all kinds of fun stuff. Yes. Uh... 2,000 GP is what purple worm poison costs. Okay, there we go. So, still pretty expensive. Uh, does he who controls, or she, or they, controls the uh, the purple worm poison control Faerun? Uh, no, it's just, it'll deal like 12d6 damage or something extra like that. Yawn. You know, I can't wait to run my own D&D campaign so I can just, like, set up a complicated economic system that the players can choose to exploit. <laughs> or else, and also choose to ignore. <laughs> they whip. Okay, well, you're uninvited from the group then. Oh man. Oh man. No, you can come. All right. Yeah, purple worm. It's purple. It's a worm. It does things. We're gonna continue our tradition of not talking too much about D and D, and skip right over to a more interesting worm to uh, yeah. to wrap things up in a big mucusy blanket. Okay. Is it the Alaskan bullworm? Close. All right. It's the Mongolian death worm. Mm, that is very close. Yeah. So the Mongolian death worm is a cryptid from the Gobi Desert, uh, first recorded in Western sources in the 1926 book On the Trail of Ancient Man by paleontologist slash adventurer slash Indiana Jones indirect inspiration Roy Chapman Andrews. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mongolian death worm is continuing our tradition of using native terms for uh, for monsters, the Ogoi Korkoi which means large intestine worm, which does not look as good on a t-shirt. No. Uh, what was uh, Roy Chapman all about? So uh, Roy Chapman Andrews was a, a proponent of the out-of-Asia theory of human origins, which is a debunked anthropological theory largely based in the scientific racism characteristic of 19th and 20th century science, a pernicious venom that academia is still trying to extract from its veins in the wake of the civil rights movement and the increasingly socially aware culture of the West and the world at large. It's irresponsible not to mention that these ex- expeditions to the Gobi, which yielded incredible discoveries like Paraceratherium, Velociraptor, Androsarchus, and the first dinosaur eggs, were partially motivated by a futile desire to scientifically validate racism. While I think it's irresponsibly evil to ignore that fact, I feel as though racism is a monster that falls outside the scope of this podcast. Back to worms. <laughs> Agreed. So, page 103 to 104 of On the Trail of Ancient Man, or so he thinks, mm-hmm. reads as follows. Then the premier asked that, if it were possible, I should capture for the Mongolian government a specimen of the Allergorohoi Horhai. He, he's spelling it wrong i doubt whether any of my scientific readers can identify this animal i could because i had heard of it often asshole none of these present ever had seen the creature but they all firmly believe in its existence and described it minutely it is shaped like a sausage about two feet long sure sausage okay roy 
Well, it's funny because every... <laughs> the sausage is a shape that identified by every culture, as you know. Right. <laughs> like, there's chorizos and, like, every culture has a sausage. I'm pretty sure that might be true. <laughs> it is shaped like a sausage about two feet long, has no head or nor legs, and is so poisonous that to, merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert, whither we were going. Fucking asshole. To the Mongols, it seems to be what the dragon is to the Chinese. Fucking the premier said that, although he had never seen it himself, he knew a man who had and had lived to tell the tale. Then a cabinet minister stated that the cousin of his late wife's sister had also seen it. I promised to produce the Alagorhoi Korhai. Olgoi Korkoi is how it's pronounced, gang. If we chanced to cross its path, and explained how it would be seized by means of a long steel collecting forceps. Moreover, I could wear dark glasses, so the disastrous effects of even looking at so poisonous a creature would be neutralized. <laughs> I'll wear these cool sunglasses, and I have my worm stabbing machine. I have some maker hooks. Yeah, he's got like, <laughs> does he think they like have some kind of vampire, vampiric property? Yeah. <laughs> Where they, they like make you susceptible to, <laughs> to being seen by them? Yeah. Well, uh, some pop cultural adaptations of the Mongolian death worm say that they can hurl electricity through the air, like some kind of fossorial electric eel. But uh, that is not really how electricity works, and it's probably more of a Dune reference than anything. I understood. Also, I want to point out that one comparison he made there where, uh, to the Mongols, it seems to be what the dragon is to the Chinese. I, I would like to point out that the similarities between this creature and the dragons of Chinese mythology include, one- it is longer than it is wide. Two, it does not exist. Three, that's it. <laughs> Got it. I mean, the dragons are like essentially gods. Yeah, and this is just like a big dude. This is just this is a big sausage in the desert. This is a two foot sausage. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of cultural capital, surely. Surely not, no. Especially to the Mongols. I, sorry, I, I heard two foot sausage and my brain wiped out. What were we doing? Oh, right. Finding monster, right? So, in the 90s, what I've written here exactly in my notes is, in the 90s, they tried to make a thumper like in Dune, and it didn't work because cryptozoology is for goofballs. <laughs> Which I, I think we'd be isolating a large part of our audience if we said this. It's a good thing we didn't. We probably shouldn't, right? No, no. But uh, one way or another, the Mongolian death worm is not a, a sandworm from Dune. So, uh, thumpers don't work. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like people that prepare for a zombie apocalypse. It's like, I, I, I understand what you're saying here, but <laughs> come on, dude. Like, like, someone made this up. Adam, are you saying the people that believe in cryptids have a difficult time determining fiction from reality? I, no comment. That's absurd. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find Bigfoot, so what I did is set up a camp that they can trash while they sing like, da ba da ba ba da yeah, no, I, I, I'm trying to catch a Bigfoot, so I left uh, $200 in, in the middle of a, a campground. I'm trying to catch a kangaroo, so what I did is I put $10,000 in the pocket of a jacket and just kind of left it out <laughs> in the desert. I, I'm, I'm struggling to not correct you. How much money is put in the jacket in Kangaroo Jack? Uh, they 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 think they think the the canker is dead, so they put the jacket on him and take a a picture. They'll just leave it in the desert. That's irresponsible, and that that's ridiculous no, 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 that no. a kangaroo would think to put on the jacket. No, no, no. This is the person trying to catch a kangaroo and like using what they learned in the movie, but doing a bad job. Uh, in that case, uh, it succeeds. Hooray! Good.
It's so, also it's also fifty thousand dollars. Thank great. <laughs> Honest <laughs> question: Did you look that up? Yes. Okay. I don't know why that's good. All right. Uh, anything else about the the death worm? Uh, I think we covered everything. We covered the racism. We covered the giant rhinoceros. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Cool. Paraceratherium is a giant rhinoceros. It's really cool. It's one of my favorite prehistoric animals. I had a dinosaur phase. Don't at me. So, speaking of worms, do we want to do some segments? Uh, we're we're going pretty long, so <laughs> like a worm. Uh, any muskets for you? Anything really? Let's just pick one. Let's do. All right. Uh, well, a uh, therapy animal uh, <laughs> needs therapy or therapist. Okay. Well, uh, let's look at the god emperor for this one because that's the most sentient yeah this i don't know if he gives good advice he really doesn't and be like well i'm having a, a difficult time uh with with my family hmm have you tried being so horrible that eventually they all leave no try that needs therapy okay yes he but, needs therapy but, but a cl- but a classic regular sandworm mm. probably i i would i would say therapy pet i could i could definitely see therapy animal yes yeah yeah therapy animal i uh, get because like, like i said they they can't, they can't eat grapes it would the hallmark <laughs> of a therapy animal uh they, they got a job to do like people ride them around mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very handy you do have to live on arrakis because they can't live anywhere else yeah but if you're if you are living there then you're in pretty good shape mm. in a way the fremen worship the sandworms as an incarnation of god and what is god if not a therapy animal all right think about it then we have i didn't (laughs) we've solved it we cracked the case we cracked this worm armor wide open you hinted at (laughs) earlier that you wanted to do a squatch lorette i was joking please don't make me do that (laughs) okay good here's let's say let's go to the final rating place here's the reason why i didn't want to do squatch lorette it's not because he's a big worm it's kind of because he's a big worm. I lied. But it's also because he's just such a, like, Joker fan. Like, such a, like, we live in a universe. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and that's no good. All right, let's go to the final rating place where we can put this uh, put this monster to bed. Yeah. Uh, what do you rate the sandworm? Um, I like the concept of a sandworm because it really adds something to a desert environment in any case and the sandworms of dune specifically are a really neat kind of alien life form that i think is seminal in terms of science fiction but i've been giving a lot of high ratings lately so i'm gonna say six Mm. see i I was gonna say uh six and a half Mm. out of ten because i like look uh i love the like i said from a sci-fi perspective very cool, and I and I'm actually more interested in reading Dune than I was when I started the show, which I'm surprised. <laughs> and I I wish more like kind of fantasy and sci-fi products really looked at the I don't know, mythical creatures that they were adding and incorporating into their worlds uh, mm. with this like level of detail. Look at monster archetypes and like how people relate to animals more than like the biology of the thing. Because if Frank Herbert wanted to make a dragon, then it would just be a space dragon. Yeah easy and if he wanted it to be if he wanted to make up a worm for them to fight he would just make up a worm that looks like a bobbit worm or some other kind of existing worm and that's not as good a way to world build it's kind of like the the pokemon rule of like 
we didn't really think about how this actually would affect the world around it. It's just a, a monster that uh, doesn't really have an effect. So I, I, I actually want to give a little more credit for that. Yeah. Uh, I'll bump it to 7 out of 10. Uh, the, the minus 3 is because you can't eat... <laughs> Can it people? You know what? I've I've talked myself up too. I'm gonna go for an eight point five. <laughs> that's a that's a big talking up. I'm I'm very persuasive. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast and share it with a friend. We're trying to get the word out there this year and get as many people uh, listening as possible. Hmm. And if you don't yeah. mind, I'd like to close this episode with a prayer. All right, so, join hands. Okay. All right. I must not fear. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. Very, I liked liked how you ripped on it a bit. That was very, (laughs) that was was good. I will fa- I liked how you riffed on it a bit. Oh. That was very, very, that was good. No, that's not part of the prayer. If you do that, Space Jesus will be mad. No, that's not part of the prayer. <laughs> if you do that, Space Jesus will be mad. I will face my fear. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and throw me. I will permit it to pass over me. And through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Uh, inner path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Uh, is that like an I or a you will re- Okay. Oh, oh, when fear is gone, only you will remain. Amen. A worm. In the name of the grandfather of the desert, in the name of that also, 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 in the name of that also,